Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devendra Hardware. Jeff Kanata. And joining us today, he is the editor-in-chief of ScreenCrush.com. Congratulations on the recent promotion, sir. Matt Singer, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing, Matt Singer? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, Matt, it's been quite a while since we've had you on, and that's not, yes. by, that's not by, by choice. It's because uh, you have recently had a child which has limited your time to appear on guests. Uh, I'm sorry, which has limited your time to appear as guests on other podcasts. So, uh, firstly, wanted to say congrats on the recent promotion uh, at Screen Crush. That's pretty awesome. How are you feeling now that you run the entire operation? Uh, I am drunk with power. It uh, is fantastic. I mean, you were already pretty drunk with power before, so uh, it's hard. It's hard not to boss you people around right now. <laughs> frankly, I'm so used to just telling people to do my bidding. This it, is uncomfortable for me. It sounds like it, and uh, also, I'm curious how uh, having a child has changed uh, your perspective on the job, uh, on movies, if at all. Uh, do you feel like time is more precious now that uh, you only have a few waking hours every day? Do you understand Interstellar more? Uh, you know, like what? What has the uh, you know act of becoming a father like? How how does that affect you know watching movies for you? That's a good question. You know, um, I'm, because, I guess I'm I'm still sort of feeling all that out. I, I'm not really entirely sure yet. Um, there are times where I wonder about that. I guess. But then again, I've seen some movies that, you know, like I, I watched uh, Inside Out last year before I was a, a dad, uh, and I cried my eyes out. And I saw Finding Dory this summer as a dad and didn't have much of an emotional reaction to it, to be totally honest with you. So hmm. I'm not sure that it's changed the I, things I think that's that more of a much. testament to how much better Inside Out was than Finding Dory. But, <laughs> that could uh, be. But uh, I, I've noticed on some of your tweets and Facebook posts, like, do you notice – uh, sexism in movies more now? Like, it, se- it seems like that's part of uh, the case. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I have a daughter, so certainly when um, when men are very upset about uh, <laughs> women, you know, busting things, ghosts most, <laughs> mostly, it, it, it does raise my hackles a little bit. Um, you know, I, I get really excited to to read like little board books with my daughter about Wonder Woman for all, for all the dads who are comic book nerds of daughters out there there's this great board book like the DC book of girl power I think it's called and it has all the different female superheroes it's really great and I love reading that and actually I was just at a uh, like Toys R Us Babies R Us buying something for her and walked past an aisle with like DC super I forget what they're called but it's like a whole line of new super superhero figures specifically targeted for girls like, uh, you know, it's all female heroes and they're sort of styled differently. And I was like super excited. I almost bought them all, even though they're probably way too, uh, you know, way too age inappropriate for her. She's, uh, she's only seven months old, but probably <laughs> for like six year olds. But I was just so excited to see something like that for her that, uh, uh, like, that kind of stuff gets me, uh, yeah, gets me excited. So, yeah, I guess that has, that probably has changed. Before, before her, I was, I'm sure, a very insensitive, jerk and didn't care about anyone else and that uh, that does that does change now i care about uh, two people i guess so slightly less insensitive i'm slightly yeah i'm slightly less of a jerk now nice uh, i'm uh, i'm also having a child rel- relatively short short amount of time here uh getting, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty and um my 
my wife's mother, my my mother-in-law, uh, through the baby shower and themed it uh, around books. And so we got a whole bunch of, of baby books, like the ones that you're describing. And um, a couple of the ones, because they know that I you know, am a genre guy and love Star Wars and stuff, I got a couple of these. I'm sure you guys have seen them. The uh, father and son uh, Vader and Luke books. Mm-hmm. That, yep. that It's like, you know, dad and son stories with Vader and Luke. And I'm like, these are awful. The the premise of these books is a spoiler for my child. <laughs> I have I have the one that's Vader and and Leia. It's I think it's called like Vader's Little Princess or something. And it's in a I think it's by is it Jeffrey Brown? And it's adorable, and I I love it. It's a little it's a little advanced for her because each page is like a, a little. Uh, inside Star Wars joke, and she's right. obviously not seen them yet, and so <laughs> it's a little advanced for her. But we've we've read that one uh, once or twice. But yeah, uh, reading reading with 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 her is one of my one of my favorite things. I get I'm sort of in charge of that most nights, and I really really I love I love doing it, even though she clearly has no idea what's going on. It is <laughs> exciting to be like, okay, here's a Spider Man book. Pay very close attention because. This is the most important thing I will ever teach you. One day you're going to introduce her to the Amazing Spider-Man films, and yes. it's going to blow her mind. Uh, <laughs> in, in, but, a, in a bad way. <laughs> uh, but also, beyond them just not being able to understand the books uh, right now, the uh, Vader-Luke relationship was not terribly functional. Am I right? No, I, mean, I, I think that's, that's part of the joke is how bad a dad <laughs> Vader is. But uh, it's also like, you know, one of the things I look forward to very much with my son is, is eventually showing him the Star Wars films. When and you, you cut his hand off someday. And oh, well, that too. Just okay. despite his face. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, I want him to be uh, surprised at that reveal. I think that would be a fun moment. Yeah. But oh my god! Like... <laughs> I, I'm just my mind is just racing with uh, the future psychoses that your son's going to have about you know your spoiler policies, Jeff. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. Will you have an unsullied household, Jeff? That's <laughs> of course. That's the no son of mine shall be sullied. I think the problem with Jeff's philosophy is that. His anti-trailer, anti-spoiler policy only applies to future films, but with a son now, uh, yeah. or at least in the near future, any work of art that's ever been created <laughs> that's true. This could be is now potentially a spoiler, it's right? True. You cannot make reference to it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, you right. know. It's not. I'm going to become a um, Unabomber-esque uh, hermit, uh, not 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 for fear of technology, but for love of technology. Mm. See, countdown until Jeffson is a spoiler guy on YouTube, just like spouting shit, you know, spoiling everything for everyone. That's yeah. the way you rebel, right? Just to, yeah, just to be. <laughs> he's going to be one of those guys that screams yeah. like Snape killed Dumbledore. People waiting in line at Barnes and Noble. For the book or something like that. I'm so, curious. I hope you know what. <laughs> I hope you know this. The seeds you're sowing, Jeff Kanata. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. So, what are we here doing today on the Slash Filmcast? Yeah, apparently, uh, talking about life. Yeah, this is uh, this is an early episode. Uh, so the the bonus is that uh, this episode is coming early, and we're getting this out today. Hopefully, the day that Star Trek Beyond is released. Uh, the disadvantage of that is, of course, uh, this episode will probably be shorter than a normal episode, and also there will be no episode next week because this is that episode just moved up a, a few more days. So all we're going to be doing is discussing Star Trek Beyond today, so let's get to that starting right now. My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. 
joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. You spent all this time trying to be your father. And now you're wondering just what it means to be you. It isn't uncommon, you know. It's easy to get lost in the vastness of space. There's only yourself, your ship, your crew. You really want to head back out there, huh? That was from the trailer of Star Trek Beyond, the newest film in the Star Trek franchise. It was directed by Justin Lin this time around and written by Simon Pegg and Doug Jung. Uh, it stars all the Star Trek people that we know and love uh, from this newest franchise. Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Carl Urban, Zoe Saldana, uh, Simon Pegg, John Cho, and Anton Yelchin, rest in peace. Uh, as well as Idris Elba and Sofia Boutella. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. The USS Enterprise crew explores the furthest reaches of uncharted space where they encounter a new ruthless enemy who puts them and everything the Federation stands for to the test. Uh, so I want to talk about the plot of this movie and certain things that happen in this movie. And I think I'm just going to say uh, that in the pre-spoiler section, can we talk about everything that happens in the trailers? Like you see... Some pretty major plot points in the trailers, and I feel like it's going to be difficult to talk about the movie without mentioning those plot points. So uh, if you don't want to be spoiled on what's in the trailers, then just wait until you've seen the film uh, before you listen to this review. But I will talk about trailer developments uh, in the pre-spoiler section. Matt Singer, uh, I consider you a nerd's nerd. Are you a Star Trek fan? Uh, Like, What have been your favorite series up until now or favorite films? And uh, what were you hoping and expecting from this film, and did it deliver? I am a, I would say I'm a, a moderate to heavy Star Trek fan. Uh, I have seen all the movies. I watched uh, a fair amount of Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, the original series, Voyager. I never watched Enterprise, but uh, I've seen a lot of just about all the other shows, liked a lot of them. Yeah, Had so you brief- spent hundreds of hours watching Star Trek. Uh, uh, maybe, I'd say maybe more than a hundred uh, into right. the dozens, definitely. I don't know about hundreds and hundreds. I haven't seen every episode of any of those shows, gotcha. so, but I've seen a lot of all of them. Yeah. And I had a brief, like year, two year period where I was very into Star Trek, like in high school, and went to, co- to went to a convention. And so I, I know I know the universe very well. I know these characters very well. I did like the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie a lot, and I didn't particularly care for the last one. Yeah. Yeah. So what were you hoping from this movie? Did you hope that it would, you know, bring it back to the kind of classical Star Trek that we know and love? Or were you just hoping for more uh, whiz-bang action? I I wouldn't say that there was – I had any sort of specific hopes for it other than I just hoped to like it, you know, that I hoped it was more like the first of the Abrams Trek movies than the second one. Right, right. Um, That would would have really been it, just that it wouldn't be quite so dour and sullen and gloomy and – you know, I, you knew already it wasn't going to have all the rigmarole about the who is Benedict Cumberbatch playing and why is why are they making such a big deal out of his identity. So that was already like a huge <laughs> leg up for this movie in my eyes because all of that stuff was just such a colossal waste of time both in the movie and outside of the movie. Right. And so what do you think of Star Trek Beyond? 
you know, I liked it a lot. I liked it probably more than I expected to. And I, I, th- I felt like in hindsight, I was like, oh, of course I like this movie a lot because it's directed by Justin Lin, who's made the Fast and the Furious movies, a franchise that I really, really like. And it's co-written by Simon Pegg, who has starred in and co-written, you know, some of my favorite recent movies that he made with Edgar Wright. And, you know, it, it, this really kind of reminded me a lot of those of of those movies in particular actually of both it it has a, a lot of the flavor of fast and the furious in terms of it has big action but it also is about this this family they don't call themselves a family like they do in fast and the furious but this group of characters this disparate diverse group of characters working together for a goal and all very likable we like all these people and love watching them work together and then from like the Simon Pegg side and I felt I feel like in retrospect maybe I need to give him more credit for how great those movies are not that I didn't before but just the idea that he makes these movies that are very sort of – they're slick on the surface. They're fun. They're entertaining. But beneath the surface, they're all communicating these ideas, whatever they are. And in this case, it's all of this stuff. As fun and as poppy as this movie is, it's also pretty political. Uh, it's To me, it's so much about what's going on. You know, it, it very much applies to everything going on in our country. But you know, for Simon Pegg, a, a British guy, it probably – feels to him like it's very much a movie about the Brexit and all of that. I feel like it's all sort of uh, working very successfully under the surface of the the action and the characters. I'm sure we're going to discuss problems with it. There are a few things I didn't really care for about it that we can talk about. But overall, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, I was actually quite surprised at your uh, review, Matt. You were very positive on it. <laughs> no, because yeah, I saw the film and I was not as big of a fan. I'll talk about my opinion in a few moments. But uh, Jeff Kanata, let's get to you. What do you think of Star Trek Beyond? Yeah, um, you know, I don't disagree with much of what you said there, Matt. I, I think it is a well-crafted, big action sci-fi film. And I give it a lot of credit for that. I think uh, w- crafting well a big <laughs> action sci-fi film is not easy. And uh, this movie delivers on uh, really grandiose moments, really in- in- you know intense, awesome uh, action. Everything holds together. Nothing's, nothing dumb happens. Um, it, it, really great character moments, especially character of uh, Bones, you know, Dr. McCoy. He, he gets a lot of really fun screen time here. Uh, everybody sort of has something to do, even if it, it sort of, and none of it really matters in the end. Uh, but I came away from this movie very disappointed that this is where Star Trek is. Um, and I, I keep saying, if you like, if you think Star Trek should be about punching stuff, then, <laughs> then this is a great Star Trek movie. I think it, it, it probably, if all you want to do when you go to the theater is see some really fun action with some fun characters in a cool setting, then this movie's for you. But I feel like we have that, right? This is kind of the same thing I said when Into Darkness came out. We have a Star War. We, we, got, we got Star War. You know, when, when J.J. rebooted the Star Trek movies, it's because we weren't getting Star Wars on the screen. We, we, and he was like, oh, we can, we can have a Star War with the Star Trek but I don't need a Star Wars anymore. We don't. We don't need another Fast and the Furious on the screen in a different setting. We, what we don't have, uh, and I think would be really great to have, is the Star Trek that I really love, which is the more, you know, thought-provoking Star Trek. The more 
um, let's a- attempt to avoid violence and conflict if we can. Let's do all the, everything in our power to think through this problem rather than punching it in the nose. And uh, I mean, from the very first moment that there is a threat in this movie, without knowing what it is at all, Kirk is like, attack it! Let's kill it with fire! <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I know that that's going to, for a lot of the commenters on our site, that's going to sound like the same, uh, criticism I leveled at Batman v Superman and okay, whatever. But uh, Star Trek, you know, for me, I was never, uh, the, the original series guy. And I know a lot of people are heralding this as a return to the original series aesthetic where, you know, we're having a way team and adventure happens down on the planet but my the, the Star Trek that made me fall in love with the series is The Next Generation, and right. I, I it is beloved to me. And I loved the way that that show was about thinking at the problem and outsmarting the problem. And yeah, I mean, at, at, there was action moments in those series and in those movies, those Next Generation movies, that, which some of them good, some of them not so good. But I wish, especially where this movie ends up at the end, sort of uh, thematically, it, it it evokes themes that should have, in the first part of the movie, caused our heroes to attempt to not be violent, to attempt to uh, address these situations with some diplomacy and and. Uh, what would you? I, don't, I guess we don't want to spoil it, but like, what would you have them do diplomatically when they're under assault from thousands of these tiny ships that are literally pulling the ship apart piece by piece? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing the uh, the approach from the characters' perspective. I'm uh, uh, criticizing the uh, the approach from the screenwriters' perspective. Right? We have. The, all they are interested in doing is creating a situation where we're at war, right? The, the only thing the movie makers are concerned about is let's throw a, a, a really nasty enemy, destroy a ship really fast, create a conflict that is, that is warlike, and let's, let's throw our characters into this action beat. And that's fine. And I think, as I said, it works really well for that kind of movie. I just wish I wasn't inside that kind of movie when it has Star Trek on the title. See, I, I, I actually completely disagree with this because I feel like the whole point of this movie is talking about what's going on right now in our world. And the villain, which I won't spoil anything at this point, it all ties into these ideas. And the, the fact that his point of view differs so strongly from the character's that he attacks, who, yes, respond with action and violence because they are attacked. And there's plenty of points in this movie where they have, like, borderline philosophical discussions about their different views of the world. And, yes, there is a lot of action in the movie, but I felt I honestly feel like this movie and, – and it is more like the original series than Next Generation. I certainly agree with that. It is a movie with the characters from the original series. But I do feel like this show – this movie – has more of kind of that Gene Roddenberry sort of naive optimism in a bold, bright future than certainly the previous two J.J. Abrams movies have, and even a lot of the Next Generation's movies had, and most Star Trek content in the last, like, 10, 20 years. Like, I feel like this, this although it is more, you know, action-oriented, I feel like the spirit of classic Star Trek really is in this movie. Hmm. 
well, it sounds like we're not going to be able to have a super productive conversation until we get to spoilers. So let's just do some quick impressions from Devendra and I. Devendra, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I really enjoyed this film, too. I think I'm pretty much uh, right there with you, Matt. Uh, we got to sit together for this screening and hearing Matt respond uh, with like childlike glee whenever <laughs> anything cool happened. Uh, that's kind of just how I was feeling. It, this movie is a ton of fun. It does feel more like the original series. And, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not much of a Star Trek guy. Uh, but those are the ones that have been kind of ingrained in me since childhood. You know, the idea of big space adventures, uh, charting the unknown, dealing with unknown threats, things like that. And I've, you know, I like Next Generation. Uh, my wife loves it. It's probably her favorite, you know, piece of media ever. But it's not something I was ever able to get into because it always seemed a little too, I don't know, uh, stayed a little too like uh, every, everything. Yeah. Well, not even cerebral. It's just like everything's chill. We we kind of don't have much conflict. Let's let's talk for a while. And oh yeah, the Borg appears. So that's bad. Um, but but I think like the idea of like this timeline, um, or at least in the original series, right? They didn't have uh, so much of, of the galaxy charted. They didn't know as much about what was going on out there. And I think this movie kind of reflects that too. This is a movie of discovery, and uh, you know of charting the unknown in really dangerous ways. Uh, at the same time, I do wish it was probably about more than it actually is. Uh, there, there's a little bit of Kirk character building here, um, some great you know work uh, with the whole team. But I don't think it's about any major big ideas. Uh, it does feel smarter than your typical summer blockbuster, though. Matt Singer is going to prove you wrong in the spoiler section, guys. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, I'll just share some quick thoughts. Uh, I, I kind of side with Jeff on this. I think it was a fun film, uh, but... Star Trek for me, you know, from Next Generation used to be about big ideas. And the issue with this film, I think, is that uh, there is nothing that distinguishes the Federation or the Starship Enterprise from a military organization. And in many ways, it it has military elements to it, the Federation does. But the Starship Enterprise could have just been some military ship. And the the themes that they're espousing about teamwork, you know, that could just be like a military idea. There's nothing about desiring a better future for uh, the universe and for all peoples uh, in in a way that I found was so compelling in things like The Next Generation. <laughs> how, how, what what is the timeline work, by the way? Because you, you Star Trek nerds know when uh, they were demilitarized. Uh, do, do you have a sense of like how far away that was from when this movie started? Well, I think this movie starts at the third year of the uh, five-year mission of uh, right, yeah. of the original Star Trek, which is like basically where the original Star Trek original series left off, if I'm not mistaken. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but when did like the Federation? Ben, he's talking more Hundreds about like of the years. history of the Federation. Hundreds I, of years. I, I, I'm yeah. not an. I, like I said, I haven't <laughs> seen Enterprise. I'm not a huge expert, but but they mentioned that at one point. Uh, this is mm-hmm. kind of tiptoeing around spoilers but basically yeah. there is a there's like a information that's given that something has happened um like well over a hundred years ago and that thing that has happened it would have taken place shortly after the creation of the federation right. i believe yeah. so we're we're maybe a hundred to two hundred years into the federation okay yeah, yeah yeah so uh i will say things that i liked about the film firstly uh, some of the action sequences are quite good, uh, mm-hmm. and visually, it continues uh, the trend <laughs> of what J.J. Abrams created with uh, Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. Whether that's a good thing or not is up to you. Like, if you if you like those films, this movie looks indistinguishable from them. Like, from there, a there's a lot of Justin Lin in here, though. I think like very very like specific shots 
of yeah, like a and, certain angle and a lot of hand to hand combat that yeah. uh, I, I didn't think was shot particularly well, no, but that no. like uh, Justin Lin has a lot of hand to hand combat in his films, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was you know pretty thrilling in this movie. Uh, but yeah, visually it looks very much the same, and, and not only does it visually look the same, like one thing that J.J. Abrams did in his films was he had this. Uh, his camera was very free floating like it would go like upside down and like twirl around and there would yeah, be lens yeah. flares and it's almost like they took that aesthetic and created a city <laughs> in this movie based <laughs> off of that aesthetic because uh, there is a space station called Yorktown in this in this uh, film that is like an MC Escher drawing uh, brought to life in a Star Trek film uh, which I thought was visually interesting. I don't know if architecturally it makes much sense, but uh, it's <laughs> it, I don't think it does either. But it's really cool. <laughs> it looked yeah, it looked really cool. And so, uh, but I think that if if you're not going to bring the big ideas like Jeff and I are looking for, then the action has to be really really good. And I would give it a B, B plus maybe. You know, like it wasn't there wasn't enough of it for me to really feel like. Uh, that that was enough to sustain this film. If you look at Star Trek One, the J.J. Abrams film, uh, like that movie moves. There, there, you are never bored in that film, and this movie doesn't quite live up to that level of engagement, in my opinion. So, uh, overall, I enjoyed it, but I, like Jeff, was also hoping mm, maybe this one would show us a little bit more than just uh, a lot of action and special effects. And uh, I didn't think it did, and I didn't think the action was transcendent enough to make it uh, a great film, in my opinion. So. Those are my thoughts. Uh, anything else we want to mention pre-spoilers? I do want to give a shout out to the soundtrack. Michael Giacchino mm-hmm. doing a great job again, and I'm a big. I mean, f- it is it is really funny what what uh, Matt was saying. This is so funny. They give Bone <laughs> so much. They give Scotty so much. I'm like they they really tap into like Carl uh, Urban's uh, sort of whininess, which you don't. <laughs> right. You look at a guy like that, right? Oh, he's a beautiful, strong man. Let's make him a hero of some kind. Uh, but he he can be really funny too, and the script really taps into that. Yeah, I think the cast continues to be great, and uh-huh. uh, that's one of the things that has propelled these movies to now. Like, it's probably the one thing that kept me going through Star Trek Into Darkness is the cast is so likable and so charismatic, and they have such great chemistry together. Uh, I would continue to watch their adventures together mm-hmm. until uh, the franchise, you know, drove this into the ground. But uh, yeah, I, I think the, the performances are great, and uh, I, I love the cast. So and so, uh, Sophia Botella as the like new alien friend uh, is a lot of fun to watch. I really liked her in Kingsman, and she pretty much kicks ass. Yeah, she like, brings she a, a lot of great presence. physicality to that role uh, yeah. for sure. Uh, any other thoughts, or shall we move into spoilers? Let's get to spoilers for Star Trek Beyond starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. All right, Matt Singer, tell us what is this movie about, in your opinion? I mean, it all it all is about, uh, like I said earlier, like it it seems to me to be a very not too thinly veiled allegory for modern politics of uh, of fear. And so basically, Crawl is Trump. I think is what you're I saying. Mean, I wouldn't say Crawl <laughs> is Trump. I would say Crawl, but Crawl would have been a Trump supporter. Like not to, <laughs> not to be too blunt about it, but his politics are the mm-hmm. politics that I just watched the, uh, Trump talk about in his speech. Yeah. Yesterday, like it's He's kind of patriot. amazing that this movie is coming out the week of the Republican National Convention. The timing could not be more 
perfect. It's either like an accident of magic or it's like next level trolling on the part of Star Trek and being like putting forth almost the exact opposite ideology. Right. Uh, he, that, he is sort of Ed is, Harris in The Rock for me. The problem like, is that there's, sort of like, there's no Bernie perspective in the movie. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's a hawk in this film. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the problem we have now too. Um, I, I, what bothers me is like um, Dave was saying, there really aren't big ideas. You know, you have uh, this captain's log at the beginning where Kirk is basically saying, "Ugh, this is everything feels episodic. It's bored. I'm so bored by all this <laughs> searching the galaxy stuff. Ugh, I wish I could punch stuff." And then his <laughs> his fa- his dream comes true, and uh, a guy arrives that he can punch. And that guy is like, oh, I'm so pissed. I've been so pissed that I haven't been able to punch anything for so long. And now I can now I, – I somehow garnered an army, which we don't get any explanation for about how that all happened. Like somehow he created this this awesome uh, tiny ship army somehow. That's his, that's his crew, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, is it that many – survivors of the crew? I would, that, I would yeah. assume at least like his second in command is like, yeah, one of his survivors. Huh. That's what Because he, he talks about – Discovering this alien race, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't he mention he, that? He discovers thing? the oh, remnants of their technology. Oh, the uh, alien well, he, technology. Gotcha. He, yeah. he, the way he looks is because he absorbed a bunch of aliens' Correct. energies somehow. Anyway, anyway, so, so, uh, so putting that aside, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, he's so angry because we stopped being a military galaxy, uh, and Kirk kind of feels the same way, and. I Kirk wish feel that way at all, but okay. Well, Kirk is so bored. Yeah, so I mean, he, he is bored, and the one thing that makes him not be bored at the end is that he went through this almost life destroying, uh, <laughs> you know, adventure. Uh, so uh, the the problem is well, that he, he didn't, it, but he saved people's lives. It's not like he was going around willy nilly killing people. He he but, saved thousands. But wouldn't of it be great lives. if if like visiting planets uh, and discovering the galaxy was as valued to Kirk as as you know the stuff that he does in this movie wouldn't that be cool and I feel like there is no point at which he proposes there is no philosophical discussion despite their sort of punchy verbal sparring at the end where Kirk is espousing hey maybe we shouldn't be a military world like there's no there's no hey this guy all this guy wants to do is fight He's a former military guy who feels out of place in the galaxy now. All he wants to do is fight. Let's maybe not give him exactly what he wants. You know, there's no there's no ph- philosophical point of view from that side, you know? Okay, uh, fine. But, I mean, they don't even beat him with guns. They right, beat him, right. like, as goofy as the ending is, as goofy <laughs> as the thing is with the Beastie Boys. They literally beat him with speech, with, with you know, speaking. They well, beat him with progressive a values of the Beastie Boys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there are numerous there are numerous uh, action sequences where we just have phaser uh, shooting. Like a crew goes onto a ship and we just shoot them dead. There's no. I mean, they have boarded their ship and they're, they're attacking. Being, yeah, they're them. being defensive. Yeah, I come on, come on. Like, I'm not. I'm not a, a violent person. I've never been in a fight in my life. But like, <laughs> like, it's an action movie. It's a it's a blockbuster. Yeah. Like, I don't understand if why aliens so step on you. You gotta step right back. Guys, they defend themselves with phasers. Like, guys, I, 
I keep saying you keep defending the actions of the characters from the characters' perspective, and I have no problems with that. I'm talking about why write them into that position. If I understand writing characters into that position, if you're making a big popcorn action film, and that's great. And I, I again, I will repeat. As a big popcorn action film, this movie works really, really well. It's very well executed. Those scenes are fun and kinetic, and that big moment where they're boarding their ship and, and taking them down, it's all cool. I am criticizing the, the filmmakers of a Star Trek movie because I feel like we don't need another movie where the big bad guys board the ship and destroy the Enterprise and it goes down in a fiery mess onto this. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I feel like that's redundant. Right, I, what I'm... I- I wanted to say two things. One thing is if you want that kind of Star Trek, there are literally hundreds of hours of television and several movies. I just rewatched the first Star Trek, the motion picture, which I actually like and is sort of a very beautiful movie about exploration, discovery, what life would be like on a starship. Uh, you know, that it has no action whatsoever. The biggest action sequence in that movie literally slows the movie down because everyone starts moving in slow motion because they're trapped in a wormhole or something. That's fantastic. I like that movie. I defended it on the the Star Trek podcast a few weeks ago, and I wrote this big piece about it. it. It exists. Like, Star Trek isn't just this one thing. That's kind of the, one of the beauties of Star Trek is that it, it, has all these different things in it, but and you it and I are making, so many you, different things. You and I it doesn't are have same... to just be the next generation. There's a new Matt. TV show coming out in January. Like, who knows? <laughs> you what and I are making. Be? You and I are making the same point. I, my point is, there are hundreds and hundreds of hours of the big actiony sci-fi movie. When I go to the movies now, I don't have the choice of seeing genre filmmaking that is a little more about big ideas. Like that, I, I don't know if that's so true anymore. Though. Yeah, I don't... Like, I, yeah, there's a you lot have people of like Christopher Nolan working... Yeah, well, look at Interstellar, right? For me, Interstellar is like a great encapsulation. It's like as much as like goofy as some of that movie is, um, that is a great encapsulation of like exploration Star Trek. You know, charting to the unknown, uh, seeing the wonder of being somewhere new. And then you have lower budget things like Ex Machina. And maybe at some point we'll have like maybe low budget, lower budget sci-fi um, uh, Star Trek films. But I'm actually really interested in seeing what Brian Fuller does with it too because that, that guy is a thinker and he will definitely deliver the like, you know... Very philosophical Star Trek that you want, yeah. I would also say, I've been going to the, you know, even though I am a dad, like, I have been going to, I've seen most of the big movies this summer, and most of them are pretty crappy. Like, it's not (laughs) that easy to make a movie this entertaining. Like, to me, this is one of the very best blockbusters we've gotten this summer. Like, it it, it is, it, it, doing this is, is not so simple, and also, there isn't, you say that there's a lot Mm -hmm. of options in terms of like dumb big action movies and that's true but there isn't a a lot of options in terms of actually kind of smart big action movies that are very entertaining and successful at least this year there haven't been a lot so to me this movie is refreshing well i i don't know i i I did say that in my my review that this is not easy and i respect it i think it's a great (laughs) movie if that's what you're looking for from a star trek I really do think it's a good movie. Uh, I just I am chagrined at this is at the fact that this is where Star Trek is, and that's my personal taste, and that's all I can speak from. Jeff, but I also will say there are several moments. As smart as the movie is most of the time, there are several moments where I put my head in my hands, <laughs> in, including when the movie was completely sabotaged. Uh, uh... You know that 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 moment. I 
I don't know how anybody could like that moment. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, firstly, Jeff, I want to quote from one of our uh, famous philosophers in, in American culture and say that uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. And what I mean by that is the, the type of movie you're talking about, you know, like think of how Star Trek First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis did. Uh, I mean, Nemesis was just a bad film. But, you know, Insurrection, I would argue, did have some of the moral complexity of the, the next generation. That movie made $70 million at the box office. Star Trek, uh, the J.J. Abrams film, and also Star Trek in the Dark has made over 200. So I just don't know that people are looking for that kind of film. And I think it's, it's like market forces are dictating what uh, Star Trek movies are being made like these days. You know, like, I, Fair enough. I, but I, I, and I think that I think more, many more people are going to enjoy this movie – uh, perhaps than the movie that I would like to see from Star Trek, but that's okay. I I can I can still speak from what I would like, and the fact that as a fan of this this IP, I can go to this movie and be disappointed that it's just a big dumb action movie. Right, right. Um, well, let's talk about the dumb parts of uh, of this movie. Firstly, I, I will say uh, this is not dumb. This is, here is my personal bias showing through. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about the fact that we've seen three Star Trek films in this new franchise, and every uh, Star Trek film feels the need to just rip the shit out of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> like, the Starship Enterprise is one of the best-designed starships, I would say, you know, in the history of sci-fi. Like, it is an iconic design that inspires awe and wonder – and every single film has just torn this ship to shreds in a way that is almost pornographic, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> you just have this Star Trek ship. It's so beautiful. And then they just rip this thing apart and you don't cry really every time that happens. The, you don't care about the dozens of crew members we see get sucked into the vacuum of space. <laughs> but the fact that the beautiful ship gets uh, broken, you're, you're a little – I, w- I will say that it, that miffs me a little too, Matt Singer. I mean, okay. I, it does kind of bother me a little too that uh, a lot of the crew is just treated disposably and and are dispatched and or tortured in horrifying ways uh, Very in much this in film. Keeping with the the classic uh, Star yes. Trek ethos, but continue. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, I I don't like how they they rip. It's, each filmmaker seems to take some kind of perverse <laughs> joy in just tearing this ship apart and. This this movie is like the Neplu Ultra of that idea. Like, I mean, firstly, the design of Crawl's ships is so cool. I, I mean, just uh, the ships, and it's also kind of like the end of Ender's Game, if you've seen right. that film. Like, just the, the hive, uh, the way that the hive, like, acts on the ship, and um, the way, like, they can just board the ship easily by, like, penetrating it is... His, uh, his introduction, by the way, with that, just yeah. like, I'm going to fucking dock you. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm the big bad villain. That was pretty great. I will say one thing that I do like in terms of – in relation to the ship itself is I feel like these new films give a real sense of the geography of the ship in a way right. that uh, the original series couldn't just because the technology was not there. Or even Next Generation or any yeah, TV Yeah, just series, like really. – you know, yeah. you could tell like in the original series, Next Generation, it's just like a model, right? Mm-hmm. It's a model or a miniature or it's created in a computer. This one, it actually feels like a ship because you have a camera that goes from like one window of the bridge and then it like drifts around 
down and you see like another window where another crew member is running for their life, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, that part that I think this new franchise has really added, I think, is uh, pretty cool. <laughs> and, uh, as, you know, Dave, as much as you love the design of the Enterprise, like, I, I think Justin Lin takes the very logical approach of how you would destroy that thing because yeah. there's like a big freaking weak point uh, <laughs> on that ship that everybody, all the villains, just I seem to that ignore. Was great. Yeah. You, you mean like, the fact that, like, that the, uh, well, firstly, firstly, they dismantle the ship, like, systematically. First, they rip yeah, off yes. the warp nacelles, and then I think you're saying the saucer yeah, connected the, to the... the saucer the, versus the, yeah, base part. Whatever. Yeah, the hull, the hull, right? The, hull. Like, the they, other reason I kind of thought this was, uh, while, yes, the these new movies have been quite uh, punishing to <laughs> the poor Starship Enterprise... I like the fact that in this one, you know, like each of the the movies so far have kind of had these like homages back to the previous ones. And like the second one, it went way overboard with the Wrath of Khan stuff. Mm-hmm. But this one, you know, it kind of nods back to Star Trek three, which also destroyed the Enterprise uh, and waylaid the crew on this distant planet where they had to sort of fend for survival. They essentially remade it without remaking it. They had a totally different plot. It didn't involve spock dying any of that but they did sort of use that central set piece the destruction of the enterprise which it, I thought it actually really- did involve spock dying matt singer but anyway this uh, this movie yeah. oh yeah. i suppose yes i suppose <laughs> same you're spock right. you're yeah, right it's, in a way spock. it's a clever nod to that too i suppose i yeah. didn't think of it that way but yeah you're right with uh, ambassador spock uh so, so yeah, I, I like that let's talk about some of the the dumb things in this film firstly the idea that they're being sent on this oh hey let's just take this random ass scientist word that uh we need to go save them uh by sending our flagship spaceship into this incredibly dangerous nebula where they can't be helped by anyone mm-hmm. and nothing bad will happen to them uh what, what would again what would you propose as an alternative i don't know like uh maybe send uh, like a pro see, like, see here's why I here's why I like that yeah. because in contrast to what we've been saying here like they could you know this stranger who they they can't even communicate with until they hook her up with the universal translator in a way that I thought was super cool yeah that was um, cool you know they could have thrown her in jail they could have you know put her, they could have deported her so to speak <laughs> instead they actually listen to her and care about her concerns and treat her as an equal as a human being or a alien being i guess but an equal yeah. but an equal with needs and like they trust her like there's something again naive about it and maybe there's something naive about all of star trek and mm-hmm. all the ideals that they're espousing but i like that i like the fact that they believed her and trusted her and Perhaps that was foolish, and they went no, off. There's on no perhaps mission. about it, my, uh, Matt. He, she betrayed them for sure. I mean, you that, were that is... talking after the fact, Dave, <laughs> as if you were a genius Star Trek, you know, commander. But again, that is an example where they could have acted violently right, and, just, right. and destroyed her or locked her away, right. sent her to space Gitmo, whatever it is. They didn't do that. I appreciate um, the idealism here. Like right. that's, we right. don't see that enough in movies, and yeah, it but turns around did, and bites them in the ass. Okay, but, yeah, but didn't that, the idealism kind of lead a lot of the crew to be killed and others to be tortured? That guys? is, but, like, you but, guys, but, but, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm saying if we're yes. saying the the movie takes a position on how we should treat quote unquote aliens, you know, <laughs> like, like isn't one of the messages that? Hey, if they had just if the Enterprise had just stuck to their own business, none of these horrible things would have happened. I don't think that's the message. That's maybe your takeaway. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, isn't it possible? To, isn't it possible to extrapolate that? That's all I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like <laughs> it kind of is. I mean, they brought all this horror upon themselves by 
uh, by being kind to this person. I guess we shouldn't. We should just dismantle NASA and never go to outer space. <laughs> that is the message. I am not advocating well, I don't against think that's that. The analogy that you were making, I think the analogy <laughs> you were making, was we shouldn't let the foreign person onto our ship. If you, <laughs> yeah. if you get my meaning, yeah. If they just hadn't done that, then none of these horrible things would have happened. That being said, Matt, I did find it to be. Uh, a somewhat compelling argument that you made in, in your review, very well written review. I'm just saying I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, uh, that the crawl represented kind of warlike, hawkish, isolationist, uh, nationalistic tendencies uh, that absolutely. the Federation is fighting against. Right? Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah. I mean, and I think, and while while the movie was going on, I I didn't think crawl was dumb. I wouldn't put that as a dumb thing, but I would definitely say he wasn't all that interesting to me as we, he's first introduced. He seems like a very generic, you know, uh, uh, you know, plucked from a made in a factory bad guy, right? He just hates everything. He wants to destroy everything. He's this creepy looking alien dude, but also kind of generic looking, and he uh, espouses these beliefs that what like struggle is strength and i come from a planet where war made us strong and everything like that yeah he's and like the just, bane of the star trek world yeah, yeah. but he, he was yeah. talking about earth which right that's the thing is when they us. reveal yeah. when they reveal yeah. and maybe you guys figured it out way in advance i no, didn't really see really. it coming and i thought when when they reveal that he is one of us i think it puts everything he said right. to me in a whole new light because he's not just talking about this imaginary world of evil, he's talking about our planet and our yeah. society. And, and I, fact, I think that the fact that him, wouldn't it be cool if at, right at that moment when we realize, which by the way, I thought was a very dumb moment when she sees Idris Elba and she's like, I know that actor. It was really badly edited, that whole discovery scene, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't uh, crazy about that. Uh, but um, I feel like it could have been so cool if right at that moment we realize, oh my God, all this guy wants to do is fight Let's battle that with not fight. Let's battle that with peace. Let's attack. Let's let's undermine his very desire to wage war. I thought that I was waiting for the movie to to bring me into that kind of big idea place, uh, and I, I I don't know. I just, it felt like a missed opportunity. Which they do by sabotaging both literally and figuratively his hive mind technology, and then using the song to. You know, defeat his fleet rather than blowing them up with guns or or the photon yeah. torpedoes. It's actually a pretty yeah. nonviolent uh, big finale, as far as you know these things go. Well, it's not nonviolent in terms of deaths, but yes, I uh, well, I alien lives it was not don't used... matter, Dave. <laughs> You've already established that. Yeah, no, no. It, it's yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it it's it's methodology to destroy. It's not. It's not. There's no big idea on display. But, but, it's like, let's play that, the Beastie Boys and blow them all up. Yeah, but Jeff, you're asking for like different approaches to like rather than just blowing shit up or punching shit or you know, pu- you know shooting things. And I think that whole Beastie Boys thing, even though it was built up, they really, really built that up because you knew what was coming. And it was really only a matter of like which song they'd play. Um, but to me, that was such like an ingenious way of going the other way it is sort of like peace is solving this whole thing it's it's the idea of music and art and uh, progressive ideals and unity that has really destroyed these aliens i think that's guns. a bit of a stretch but i will say that i think this uh ending with the sabotage it it fits in with a lot of other star trek uh properties and films like i remember in star trek 6 you know when they did some surgery on a photon torpedo uh, to defeat the enemy in that film, you know, like there's just a bunch of like random technology right. hacks that they just use 
to defeat the enemy, and so it kind of fits. It kind of fits in with a, a lot of. Uh, and, a lot of I don't work. even know if the other movies have to justify. I think in the universe that this movie gives us, uh, it sets it all up, and it, it kind of pays off pretty well. But also, like I'm looking at the movie in terms of like what it's giving me, and is the movie you know accomplishing the goals it sets out to do? And I think it really does. Um, it's tougher when we want to like say like I want to do something very different in the film. Or yeah, playing the Beastie Boys didn't bother you. No. I like, but also it was that was how we were introduced to this entire universe. Uh, that's the very first scene of the first Star Trek. Also, I gotta say, like visually, I thought that scene was beautiful. Like that—that that mm-hmm. was the only scene in the movie where I thought to myself, "Wow!" Like I, I was finally filled with the kind of wonder that I was looking for. Just the the image of uh, this, this freaking starship surfing this wave of uh, hive ships exploding mm-hmm. all in sequence. Uh, it's just a very striking visual, and and I enjoyed it on that level. Uh, that being said, also, Matt, you know, and I like too. Don't you know the fact that it's this? You know, they. This is like to me. This is like the Simon Pegg thing. The little touches again. The fact that it's a hive mind, and they move with basically one person telling them what to do. You know that there's this dictator at the top of the chain versus the Enterprise, where the final, you know, this this creative idea that they come up with to defeat the bag. I literally, if you watch the way they shoot it and edit it, every single person on the crew, in the main crew anyway, has like a key role to play in figuring it out. Now, it's all yeah, technobabble yeah. BS, but you it reinforces the idea of what uh, Uhura says to Crawl at one point in the movie, this idea that they're they're strong because they're together, because they're this diverse group versus these... Right. Uh, you know these these aliens who all you know look alike. They wear these dehumanizing or de alienizing <laughs> identical space armor uniforms. They have no individuality. They move as one. They attack as one, and that that's that represents his whole ethos of 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 war and how you know that like that's the way to do things. And it does to me present a very clear juxtaposition between him and the Enterprise and the Federation. And I, I thought all of that was really cleverly done. And it, to me, that mm-hmm. felt very much like Simon Pegg and the way that he threads those kind of little touches into movies like Shaun of the Dead or, or World's End, where all those little things always – they're there, but they also tend to pay off in some way. I, you know, I, I'll back off. I think I'm, I'm coming across much more negative than I intend to. I, you know, I, I think the movie is fun, and uh, I think it's – as I've said over and over, I think it's extremely well-crafted. I just don't think it's special, and I and I I wish Star Trek movies felt special. And when mm-hmm. he says this movie is ep- or you know I'm feeling episodic at the beginning, I really felt like this felt like an episode, uh, a long extended episode. And I think that's what a lot of people like about it. For me, it just didn't feel special. Where I disagree with uh, you, Matt Singer, about the crawl character, I, I guess I just feel like I needed a little bit more. The, the movie felt like it was too focused on. Um, action scenes and set pieces. And by the way, the, another impressive set piece I want to say is the fight inside the uh, downed saucer of the Enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, where it's kind of like Inception style, uh, or, or I, I, I think even before that, like where the ship is kind of turning around and the gravity's going everywhere. Uh, I thought was pretty impressive. But anyway, going back to my point, I guess I wish the movie had given me a little bit more character development on Crawl, or separate from that, you know, the Kirk Spock stuff. Uh, Kirk and Spock are both dealing with some some heady things, and it feels like it's 
dispatched very quickly as a formality like oh kirk's feeling bored and then he has this adventure and then now he's not feeling bored anymore spock has this kind of survivor's guilt from his whole planet getting destroyed and hey maybe he's gonna still have adventures with kirk like it just it feels too thin you know i wish more time had been devoted to uh building those characters and their relationships so that when the payoff finally comes it would feel like uh an emotional catharsis versus just like uh oh here's just some random stuff that happens to kirk and spock and oh here's some random twist with crawl uh which is what it felt like to me i I would have liked to spend more time with those two together there's that great elevator scene where they're they're just dudes who can't like talk about their emotions which i thought was just really funny yeah uh but yeah it's weird that the movie teams up um teams them up with very with the other characters rather than having kirk and spock kind of deal with this thing on their own at one point i think that i think the movie teams spock with bones because they are so different and the movie is about you know again like people of difference coming together to work together to have complementary skills we already saw kirk and spock kind of go through that in the first Mm mm-hmm J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movie, and it worked really well there. But now they're, they sort of, even though they have trouble like expressing their love for one another, which is sort of classic going all the way back to the original series, Like they clearly have a much stronger relationship. I totally, do, though, agree I would have loved to have seen more of the characters. And in general, I do think um, some of that stuff must have been either cut in the editing room or just in the writing process to make it a little more sort of fluid and and uh, to make the sort of make it more action oriented there are some nice character moments though in the movie i love the stuff in the beginning with kirk i love the scene with him and bones drinking and mm-hmm. bones asks him you're gonna call your mom which is like when does anyone in star trek ever say like are you gonna call your mom on your birthday which is also the day <laughs> his dad died like just that was like a moment where you're like oh yeah these are like they feel like real people and not just these iconic characters who are now yeah. 50 years old in terms of crawl and his you know lack of uh, development or whatever like the fact that you don't you don't really they're withholding the information so they can play the twist on you and I, it, it is in a way i think a little frustrating in terms of you don't really get to know him all that well but i think the, the way that it works in the context of the movie is in a way, I think the movie kind of wants you to dismiss him as generic the way that I did. Like, it mm-hmm. wants you to kind of say, this guy is just a, a, he's just like a, you know, like a generic evil bad guy. So that when you, you, you just don't, you actually don't take him all that seriously. So that when the movie does the twist and surprises you, it sort of forces you to reassess, like, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe these people that I assume are pure evil. Maybe they're not that different from me that I thought. They're like, just the like fact, us. Yeah, even the fact that he looks, you know, like that at the end of the movie, he looks human. And it reinforces the idea that beneath whatever the exterior is, we all in, in the end are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of like that to me, that really hit home. Like I we, thought that was kind of powerful. And we didn't get much time with Crawl in his backstory, but the, the little that's there is pretty compelling, right? A decorated military guy who, you know, has done all this stuff. And. Uh, what happens is like uh, the war is over. He, there's no fight left for him. Uh, he's you know set on a job he doesn't want, and his crew is mostly killed. I think he mentions that too, and nobody comes to help him. So I think like this idea of just like this resentment building up over you know decades, a uh, hundred years plus, 
uh, that's kind of interesting to see too. Yeah, no, it's true. You, you know, Matt, and I think if we had gotten some more, even just a little bit more backstory on the uh, not crawl, but who he was before, I, I think that moment would have had more impact for me. Just because mm-hmm. you you need to give a, a significant amount of info on one of those characters, i.e., you know, pre crawl Idris Elba or post crawl Idris Elba, and if you're not going to do one, I feel like you need to do the other for that reveal to have uh, its desired effect. But uh, hearing you talk about the movie, Matt, is definitely making me appreciate it a lot more. So appreciate all the uh, positive things you have to say about it. Any closing thoughts uh, on this film? Did we think yeah. uh, the the ending? I, I thought the ending, like we, we talked earlier about how uh, other Star Trek films have had convenient contrivances, let's say. Like, oh, um, in this movie, hey, if we play music real loud, they'll all die, you know, or, or like other movies have had stuff like that, right? Uh, but this movie had, I feel, a few too many of those. Uh, just like at the end, there was just a, a huge sequence of, uh, oh, he's about to release the bioweapon in this one space, but uh, there just happens to be a way to flush that area out into, into, the, into the void, you know? Uh, like just a few too many of those, like, hey, this is super is that convenient really technology. Convenient, I mean, I don't know. Like, think think about the way. It, it, for me, that sort of stuff makes sense in the logic of the movie, right? If this is your atmosphere system, uh, <laughs> the thing that spreads air all over the entire spaceship, it doesn't seem that much of a stretch to be like, oh, by the way, there there is a way to vent things if like it's contaminated or something like that. Mm. I don't, the, f- uh, the fact that it was the like music a gravity, is more convenient. A yeah. wacky gravity area was yes. pretty was yes. convenient the for the streams. purposes of an action sequence. I right. would certainly see that. Although I like yeah. the way that was revealed too. It's like the glass breaks and you see them moving, and it's like, oh shit, gravity. Yeah, they don't they don't even explain. That's the thing that yeah. I kind of appreciated. They don't even even explain it at all you know they don't yeah, say oh yeah. there's no one at the beginning say yorktown has multiple gravitational fields blah 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 you just need to look at it and then understand and then they right. show the glass and then that's it you know uh and that that part is kind of cool mm-hmm. but uh, yeah for me a few too many contrivances there at the <laughs> end uh but uh, ultimately i uh you know i did enjoy the film for and me the- it's, it's, it's the character moments though right it's it's the thing like spock's reveal about the necklace and they were like, wait, so you gave your girlfriend a nuclear necklace? No, it's a tracking device. Uh-oh, beat. <laughs> like, that sort of thing. Like, the, the movie takes time to really reflect on these characters. They feel like people who've hung out together, who've worked together. And, yeah, not just the, uh, the characters we've known for decades. I really liked uh, Anton Yelchin in the movie, too. I yeah. mean, maybe, you know, it's, it's, uh, maybe I was paying more attention to him than I would have otherwise. But he's so, like, sort of sweet and enthusiastic and has this great fun energy in the movie and he has a lot of screen time because he's sort of the one who winds up with Kirk on the planet mm-hmm. and so he's he's kind of got this gee whiz like boy scientist kind of vibe that's really I found very charming and the fact that he's no longer with us I just thought was really sad because he's I thought that's he so was sad. great I really appreciated his sort of he has a you know it's not a it's not the most important role but that's kind of what the movie is about it's like mm-hmm. everyone is fun everyone Everyone makes a contribution. I, I liked all the I like all the main cast in in these new Star Trek movies, but I thought he I thought he was really good in it. And there's that there's that sad moment at the very end where they're having that toast uh, at Kirk's birthday, and there's like they mention like they they're toasting to whatever, and then they say to like to friends we've lost, and there's a cut to Anton Yelchin standing right there. I just yeah. thought it was really really mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's talk about formats. Uh, what formats do you guys see this movie in? Just out of curiosity. It was 2D fake IMAX. Yeah, 2D or, Limax. Uh, I saw it in, in 
3D real IMAX. And okay. uh, I'll just say the 3D. Which isn't quite real IMAX. It's not. It's clear. not. Yeah, there's no. They, don't, they didn't shoot I it on IMAX cameras. how confusing all of this is. Yeah, yeah, they did not shoot it on IMAX cameras or anything, as far as I know. Like, I don't think the screen expanded to fill the entire. Mm-hmm. You know, the image didn't expand to fill the entire screen at any point. Uh, but and the 3D I thought was mostly a waste. I don't think I perceived any cool effects from that. Uh, but the sound and visuals were really impressive on that large of a screen. Um, I assume you guys also had a similar experience. Yeah, like the the, the IMAX experience was worth it in your opinion. It's, this is definitely a movie to see on a big screen too. If only because Justin Lin really knows what he's doing with some of those shots like the, 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 the there was a brief, brief glimpse we saw in the trailer of the enterprise in hyperspace and that is just like the most beautiful thing like i'd love like an animated version of that on my wall or yeah. something because it looks incredible the shot of like them getting out of yorktown straight into space it's like a fixed like a oh, fixed camera really cool. shot so like good. it's like I the camera's like shot. mounted on the ship yeah, yeah uh, that was a cool shot yeah i really cool. love the look of that Whatever that gas that turns into a solid is, oh uh, yeah, that, it was cool. The moment that um, that uh, Jayla. Kirk and Chekhov are are stuck in it, and then yeah. can yeah. Be, it can be shattered, and then that, that whole motorcycle sequence, oh man, that uh, was springing great. around as a as a sort of shield. Uh, that the idea of that was was pretty cool. Even not how- in, even though we saw it in two D, like the shots in where they're swooping around Yorktown, yeah, um, on the big, you know, the fake IMAX screen, even it definitely you it was you could feel like you were almost floating and spinning. There was definitely yeah. a moment or two where I was like, it felt a little almost vertiginous. You were like, whoa, right, right. you were getting a little, you felt like you were kind of swooping around and and you were a little disoriented in a way that I, I maybe some people might get a little nauseous, but I thought it was pretty <laughs> cool because it felt it was like a sort of a visceral sense that you were in this weird high-tech space it was like tomorrowland if tomorrowland didn't stink i thought Ooh, that was sort yeah. of the vibe yeah 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 and and there was like suspended water in yorktown for some reason <laughs> like they have these pools but that have nothing underneath them <laughs> yeah uh, it's just, weird okay just some really crazy architectural decisions going on in yorktown but that looked <laughs> pretty cool overall and those guys, they can throw together a new uh uh starship pretty quick those yeah. guys are just tossing together a starship like nothing. I, I I imagine that it's kind of the same thing as building a uh, you know an aircraft carrier to us, you know, which you think probably takes a, a long time and a lot of resources. <laughs> These guys just throw together a starship. No biggie, no big whoop. <laughs> I, I, I like those the almost small callbacks to other Justin Lin movies too, like the uh, the heist way they had to plan the the jail sequence felt a lot like Fast Five. The big, like, <laughs> jump and catch my hand thing, which is very fast <laughs> Yeah, six. very fast six, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I do feel the need to point out uh, something that happened in the movie that kind of uh, made some news prior to the film's release, which is that uh, it is revealed in this film that uh, Sulu is gay uh, mm-hmm. and has a significant other who's a man and they have a daughter together. Uh, and Matt, in your review, you wrote about how this is kind of a, a great little touch just because it humanizes Sulu uh, in a way that makes uh, Yorktown and its fate have stakes uh, and that mm-hmm. other movies often forget this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just just wanted to point that out as uh, something that w- was an interesting development. Uh, we haven't mentioned it till now because I didn't want to spoil the film. I did find it interesting, uh, you know, what George Takei's comments were on it. Because uh, he was not a huge fan of that decision, and I think it's because he had worked hard to create this character of Sulu who was not gay, 
uh, and wanted to kind of would have preferred to see that character that he created mm-hmm. honored. Um, at the same time, you know, I appreciate what they're trying to do uh, in this new franchise as well. And didn't so. I think uh, Takei kind of referred more to Gene Roddenberry's vision? Yeah, to, his like, vision. There are no lib- labels, but at the same time, like that that was always a convenient excuse for like 60s television where you couldn't show certain things and now you can actually show it and you know to reflect the real world where these things exist and you know representation is important i like that little scene and it's amazing how um there was such an uproar before it too because people were like what are you what are you doing to my star trek and uh it's just a nice little scene that's all it is yeah it's it's not a big culture war moment i thought uh, you know i think i i sort of i respect completely what george takei said and i i totally get where he's coming Mm -hmm. from but you know, I think I think it's really great to have at least a character in that crew who's, and you know, another way to represent difference and diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't have minded if uh, if if there was maybe a little more affection in that scene. It's a very yes. brief yes. scene, and you know, I think they were sort of. I mean, who knows? I don't want to talk for for the filmmakers. I've read a little bit of how they, you know, the the thinking behind it in interviews with John Cho and Simon Pegg and. You know, I think their intentions were were good. Uh, you know, I, I, I they didn't want to make it feel I don't know like they didn't want to maybe put too fine a point of it or make make that much of a deal out of right, it. Like right. in a way, it's just supposed to be totally normal, which it is. And I think that is you know I think that's great. I, w- I wouldn't have minded to see you know just a little bit maybe a little bit more uh, yeah. affection. It 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 was. It, it felt. It sounds like it felt it's perfunctory good, to you. Like, well, it's a, good, it's a it's a good it's a step in the right direction mm-hmm. for sure. But it, you know, like to, for me, it could have been. They could have gone even just a little, little bit. Just, just a kiss. Here's if what I'll say: if another has been yeah. spaced for months, uh, <laughs> you probably kiss them. Yeah, right. uh, and it would probably be more controversial if that had happened in this film. Oh my god! Um, but uh, here's what I'll say, guys: I think this is the only movie in the history of the eight years that we've been doing the slice film cast. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna make a statement and then be okay. proven wrong. Is this the only movie where on screen there's two Asian males? Like like not. I'm not even talking about the two in in Sue's relationship. There's okay. him and his significant other, and then another Asian male on the ship that you see earlier on uh, that have romantic relationships. Hmm. I think I I don't know that <laughs> I've seen another film that has depicted that. Uh, that, that, that has about. been made in America, you right, know what I mean? Right. Uh, versus like an Asian film, which obviously has a ton of Asian move, uh, dudes in it. <laughs> so uh, I, th- I thought that was uh, that was awesome. And Justin uh, Lin's secret <laughs> conspiracy is working. <laughs> That's right. It's working slowly. That's right. That's right. I'll have to give him props at our weekly meeting about that. Um, so anyway, uh, the movie. I, I think Matt brings up a lot of great points, which is that the movie is in many ways thematically uh and just like in terms of the cast and uh how that cast is deployed a celebration of diversity in in the face of lack thereof and uh and for that i think you know i I can salute the movie for that so uh but overall i'm kind of on jeff's side fun sci-fi action film i wish it was more for matt singer and davindra it sounds like it was more uh, and that's cool. But oh, I, I would not feel bad recommending this movie to anyone. I think um, yeah. it's definitely a fun time at the theater and see it on a big screen with great sound. So, mm-hmm. All right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of our review. Find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Matt Singer, where can people find more of your work on the internet this week? Uh, 
I'm the editor-in-chief at ScreenCrush.com. I'm writing there every single day. Uh, and my Twitter account is Twitter.com slash Matt Singer. And I do have my own podcast, Film Spotting SVU, and you can find that uh, in iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, FilmSpottingSVU.com is our website. All right. Jeff Kanata? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I have several other shows for you to check out, including a video game review show called DLC, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. I have a tech video show called Tomorrow Daily on CNET. You can find that at tomorrowdaily.com. And a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. How about you, Devendra? Oh, I'm on Twitter at, at Devendra, and I write about tech at Engadget.com. And you can find all of my stuff at DaveChen.me. Thanks for listening to the Slash Filmcast this week. Next week, we'll be back with a review of Jason Bourne, which is a movie that uh, Devendra and I are really looking forward to. Uh, Jeff, oh, are, yes. you, are, you a, oh, are you a Bourne fan? Huge. Yeah, I love it. Can't wait. <clears throat> we'll see if... Uh, time for my annual rewatch of the entire trilogy. I think the question is whether this one is going to add anything new uh, to the franchise or not. Yeah, Matt Singer, it, it's, it's just... It's amazing it's taken so long, right? It's been uh, almost nine years since, uh, or ten years since Ultimatum. If only they'd made a Bourne movie since then. Yeah. yeah. This, this, <laughs> is a, this is a franchise that should be about punching stuff. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm excited for punching. 50-year-old man punching muscular dudes. Yeah, do it. Matt Singer, you, uh, you're a Bourne fan? I mean, I really love the Bourne legacy. I'm just bummed we're not getting another movie about cams. No, I'm just kidding. Get out. Yeah, there's fun. <laughs> All right. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, slash bad. It's the Slash Filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, because you know that it's the thing worth talking about. All right, guys. Slash Filmcast After Dark here, where we talk about just a variety of random stuff. Uh, I just wanted to mention one thing that I saw recently, guys, uh, and that is 99 Homes. Have you guys heard of this film with oh, yeah. uh, I've been meaning Michael Shadd and Andrew Garfield? The Yeah, Ramin Bar- Barani movie. Yeah, yeah uh, n- not a super great film, <laughs> but Michael Shannon is awesome in it. Uh, and he plays kind of a, a guy who's helping to repossess houses. Uh, and flips them and you know does all kinds of sketchy things with them. Uh, but great Michael Shannon performance, and it's, of course, a movie that's very relevant in our post-housing bubble era. Uh, so I guess I just wanted to give a shout-out to that movie uh, on the Slash Filmcast After Dark. Here's another movie I wanted to shout-out, guys. Hitman, Agent 47, movie I what saw you, recently. What are you doing right now? <laughs> also not a no. great film. But uh, it has some has some decent action scenes in it, uh, and so if you is can, that the one with uh, Rupert Friend. It is the one with Rupert Friend. I like I, him. He's good in Homeland. He's but, good in yeah, Homeland. I don't know why they keep trying to make uh, Hitman happen as a franchise because and they keep like p- potentially ruining actors' careers by doing it too. Like, uh, yeah, what's what's not? It was it Oliphant. Oliphant in the last one? the first one. Yeah, uh, and I don't know why because Agent Forty Seven. He is supposed to be a character with no emotion. <laughs> Uh, or affect to him, which yeah. is great for a video. Like video game main lead characters uh, are like often don't talk right. and don't have a lot of characteristics. So you, as the player, can project yourself into them. He's the ideal avatar, literally a barcoded you know video game protagonist. <laughs> so like, right. he just comes off the manufacturing field. Have you guys played the new Hitman game? I've heard is it's good. Amazing. Jeff Kanata, you you a Hitman fan? 
Uh, I am not. Uh, okay. I'm not a big fan of the Hitman games. I have played uh, the first. They put out a demo before the mm-hmm. the new Hitman game came out, where you're, you know, uh, infiltrating a um, cruise ship. Yes, I played, played through that. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's not my kind of game. I'm not huge into the, like the the stealth and I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't like stealth games where like you know if you mess up you're you know start over kind of deal. Although. The cool thing about Hitman is how many variety of ways you can accomplish the same goal, which is which is pretty clever. Yeah. That is part of the fun. Like it's a game of repetition, so you have to learn yeah. the patterns of everything. Uh, but yeah, I love the series, and this one definitely harkens more back to Hitman Two, where you just have this environment where you could do whatever the hell you want, and you can think of crazy things too. Like it's episodic. So you have like a month with each episode in each environment to just like dig into it, which is a lot of fun. And they uh, have challenges for you to, yeah. like do, you know, do it in a specific way. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's almost like playing a horse with assassination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So go weird ahead. stuff, too. Like you can be a model in the first episode, like a runway model at some point, because there's a model in the episode who look happens to look just like you so speaking of coincidences but yeah it's a pretty great series so far i think this is a movie that in some aspects is so bad it's good um (laughs) there is a scene where hitman agent 47 uh walks into like an embassy with a sniper rifle and then his his interrogator so then they of course they flag it at the metal detector and everything His, his interrogator, sir. Those, what what do you have there? Detectors are working as intended. <laughs> his interrogator then brings the sniper rifle into the interrogation room with him. Okay, yeah, that's also protocol. Yeah, and then, um, like, then Agent Forty Seven, uh, like, kind of taunts the interrogator, and then the interrogator put it gets so flustered he puts a bullet into the sniper rifle, and then. Uh, Agent 47, like, knocks up the table, and the the sniper rifle goes up and then comes down on the table, and when it hits the table, it fires a bullet right through Agent 47's handcuffs. I mean, guys... Nice. Good I job, mean, Agent 47. That is so, so terrible. It is awesome. Okay. Just as you planned. This yeah. movie got an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Everyone <laughs> hated it. And I don't think it's good, but I just don't understand why people hated it so much. It's a dumb. It scratches your itch. I get it's a it. dumb action movie. You know, it's a yeah. it's a dumb action movie that has like some semi decent action scenes in it, uh, and is ridiculous. You know, and I so I guess I just feel like uh, it, it got a bad rap. And on that note, you know another another dumb action movie that got a bad rap, guys. Transporter refueled. <laughs> Dave, I know. I, I'm really know what to say between to you right last now. week uh, trashing Ghostbusters original and this week advocating yeah. for uh, yeah. Agent 47 and Transporter Refueled. I'm, I did, I'm I did earning saw, I so the much first credit. Twenty minutes of refueled on the plane, and I just I had to turn it off, even in a trapped environment where I was starved <laughs> for entertainment. I, I just couldn't do it. Transporter Refueled is not the worst transporter film. That's the thing. Okay, that's, that's well, all I'm saying. Pretty bad. That is all I'm saying. Be a big deal, Dave, if there weren't so many other things you don't watch. <laughs> Okay. This is true. To be fair, yes. to be fair, guys. Okay, I only these are uh, treadmill movies, right? Like I watch them you when know I'm what works working well out on a treadmill, Dave. TV shows. Yeah. What, what, why does a treadmill? What does a treadmill require you to watch garbage? <laughs> how, how long are your treadmill sessions? Forty-two minutes. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell that, you that. something. 
uh, TV episodes are exactly 42 minutes. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the idea is I don't want to watch something I might enjoy while I'm physically subjecting myself to, to stress. Why not? Doesn't that make this, the physical exertion less bad if you're enjoying it? It's like, it's like adding, <laughs> adding a difficult time to your already difficult time. It's like seeing a movie in 4DX. You know, <laughs> really have to embrace like, the self-flagellation. Was yeah. when I'm when I'm on the freaking elliptical, uh, taking in new episodes of Orphan Black or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I, I I like watching mindless movies because I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to think too hard when I'm working. I can only I can't walk and chew gum at the same time, guys. Okay, I need to okay. just I hear you. I hear you. You just want you want to turn off while doing physically uh, demanding. <laughs> That's activities. right. That's right. That's okay. exactly correct. Sure. So, uh, anyway. Uh, that being said, you're right. I understand. I've completely discredited myself, and I'm okay. <laughs> there, there are so many things, like Dave, like just just the Americans. Just start the Americans. I have. I've gotten six episodes into the Americans, so okay. I'm, I'm right. I've started that show. Okay. Uh, you guys, please watch Horse and Pete, please. I yes, guys. that it's it's more the access to it because I have to yeah. download it and stream it over to the TV. But I have Plex now, so that should be easier. Guys. Summer, yeah. movie, summer movie wager interesting developments are afoot. Oh, I've lost. I'm out. I've <laughs> lost. Okay, here, here. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, Jeff. Uh, here are the rankings right now. Peter's in the lead at 49 points. Uh, I'm at 42, primarily because I put Secret Life of Pets at number three, mm. uh, which currently is the the actual ranking of Secret Life of Pets. Right. Uh, at, at, for the for the summer, uh, Jeff is dead last at 31. Yeah. I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm out, guys. It's Jermaine at 38. I didn't, I didn't even put Secret Life of Pets on my list like an idiot. Uh, but uh, Ghostbusters, that movie is going to really uh, upend a lot of things. I think when uh, when that plays itself out, because we all had high hopes for Ghostbusters, at least some of us did, and so how it plays out, I think, is going to dramatically impact the rankings. But overall, we really won't know until movies like Born open. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. I just wanted to give a shout out to that. Like crazy things going on. You can find more at thesummermoviewager.com or or find uh, find it on Twitter as well. There's a awesome uh, listener who's giving commentary on our summer movie wagers. You guys watch anything interesting this week? Oh uh, yeah. Have you guys been watching the new Unreal season? Not and yet. Mr. Robot? I heard it kind of is a train wreck. New like, Unreal I, is a mess. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, there there are so many things I still like about it, but they try to throw in. There, there is like escalated drama in every single episode, which I guess is key to like its themes and everything. I mean, the first season had a lot of problems too, but this one has different problems. It's still really, it's still fascinating to watch. So I still recommend seeing. But yeah, it. But I think the, uh, Marty yeah. Noxon, one of the showrunners, uh, mm-hmm. left the series. Is my understanding, and that oh, has that really, may be what that has really yeah. hurt. Former uh, Buffy writer, yeah, you know, she she's been known for a lot of things. And just like a skilled showrunner, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, she's run a bunch of shows. Um, so that's that. That's probably what happened because they definitely go over way overboard in certain things. Um, but still worth watching, I'd say. Um, and new Mr. Robot. I've only seen the first two uh, premiere episodes, but it's still so good, so interesting. I know a lot of people have been down on it, but I kind of love the fact that um, you know they're sticking to their strong creative vision. Um, the creator of the show, uh, Sam, Sam Ismail, yeah. is now directing every single episode of this season, which is a huge get for a guy who had never even like d- had a major TV show or run a show or written for a show before the first season of Mr. Robot. So I love that he, you know he has this amount of creative control now, for better or worse. Like some of the visuals, I think people will still have issues with, but it's a cool looking, really unique show for sure. 
yeah, I've heard it has gone downhill. Um, but I got to admit, that was a show where over, I heard overwhelmingly critical acclaim for that show. Yep. And it's a show that I really feel like I got burned on. Like I watched <laughs> the whole season and then by the end I was like, that's it? You and, did kind of binge it at the end though, right? Um, didn't you? Wasn't it like all no, done? I, I watched like uh, – no, I, I, I watched like – you know, I, I wouldn't say I binged it. But you know, you know, I watched them within a short, relatively short period right. of time. Uh, I just felt like – I don't know. It, it just felt like a rather silly show to me. Uh, and just like the way that people talk is so stilted, which fits in with kind of the show's aesthetic. Yeah. But I did not find the, the payoff to be satisfying. I like the twists. Like those were mm-hmm. kind of cool. There was a couple Definitely twists at the end. Twists. And uh, B.D. B- B- Wong is uh, – B.D. Wong, B. Right? Wong. Yeah, he's awesome. You know, B.D. Um, Wong's so great. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I felt like th- – yeah, that's just a time where I'm like – I got to the end of it and I was very disappointed mm-hmm. by it. And um, so, but that being said, if you like it, you know. Yeah. My, my big thing is we rarely see good interpretations of technology and hacking and like the idea, like, yeah. it, it may seem unrealistic, but everything you're seeing on screen is shit like they're actually coding and have had to do. And that's like Ben Sam Meal's big, uh, big thing. There's no, there are no fake screens, you know, so they've had to code I, I love that. all this stuff. I love that aspect of it, but I, I'm mm-hmm. with you, Dave. I, I think I watched the first episode of Mr. Robot, and every episode after that, I liked it less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that it never – the first episode was so cool. I was like, oh, my gosh, finally a show that actually treats technology with kind of intelligence and respect. And then every episode after that, I was like, oh, this is all we're doing? <laughs> mm. um, but – Oh well. Yeah, it's just, the tone of the show. I would just say it is relentless. You know, yeah. and it's, it, just, it's a very specific tone too. So you have to yeah. be on its wavelength. And yeah, if you're not, I can see how it. But yeah, I mean, I kept hoping it would get better. I kept hoping it would get better, and then by the end, it just was. It you know, I don't think it was bad. It just was like it just was the same of what it was already delivering the entire time. And I would say if you're not on by like episode three, you know, you probably won't be on. But. Uh, I have heard that there's some interesting stuff that happens in the second season. I might dip in just like out of curiosity. Uh, so we'll see. Jeff, you've been I, uh, checking out? Yeah, I had a chance to, to watch the first episode of Vice Principals on HBO. Um, because, you know, guys, I have said it many times. I love me some Walton Goggins. Oh, yeah. Especially He's, silly Walton Goggins. Yeah, I don't know about him in this <laughs> show, though. <laughs> this might be the – this might be a – a Goggins too far. Uh, <laughs> and I, I hate to say that because I'm such a fan of that guy. I think he's so, so good in everything. Um, gosh, I don't know. You know, I was never a big Eastbound and Down fan. Uh, and this, it really is Eastbound and Down in a different setting. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know that going in. Like, I had just seen oh. billboards of, uh, you know, three people that I think are amazing. It's Bill Murray and Walton Goggins and Danny McBride. I'm in. Oh, yeah, this is great. Um, and I didn't realize it was Danny McBride, Jody Hill, and and the show is Danny McBride. It's mm-hmm. it's Danny McBride, and and know, he has a stick that he just like commits to. I think and he's bound yeah. and down, and looks like you're maybe. Well, it's also and that it's you fine. just have to you just have to like be ready for a certain level of human ugliness when you watch. Yeah, because yeah. isn't it Jody Hill that did this? Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you Dark just humor. have to, you have to be equipped to handle like a level of human ugliness that you aren't <laughs> used to dealing with. Yeah, and uh, it's human ugliness with with like actual teenagers now. Yeah, you know? yes. So okay, it's, it can be kind of tough. The ugliest of humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and what, what what Goggins is doing, like the character, he the the last moment of this of the first episode. I've only watched one episode so far. The last moment of the first episode made me go, okay, I'll give it another at least one more. 
uh, because it made me feel like maybe the show is taking a little bit of a turn. But what I was hoping for was this sort of ensemble comedy about these guys, and it, it, it isn't that at all. It's from the perspective of Danny McBride's character, all about Danny McBride's character, and everybody else is a minor, minor character in the show. And that was a bit of a disappointment for me. But the end makes it seem like maybe that's not entirely the case. So hopefully uh, it – but I, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll at least give it another episode. All righty. Uh, anything else going on this week that you guys want to discuss? Well, Comic-Con's happening. Any fun, yeah. fun, fun news from I think Comic-Con what's interesting episode? at Comic-Con is like there are very few – movie studios going to comic-con this year mm-hmm. uh yeah. a lot of movie studios feel like they've been burned by past comic-cons where like i think the uh the biggest examples are kick-ass and scott pilgrim i think yeah. right matt singer actually wrote up a whole report on that like, yes c- c- basically correlating the hall h uh presence versus you know how much how well the movie actually did right uh and what do you know what the conclusion from that was? It's not good. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that so basically that's, that's kind of why yeah, we're seeing less of that. Yeah, I just said well, like go ahead, Jeff. I was just saying it's the first year that you can actually stream stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know, are either of you guys interested in doing that? Are you either of you guys really. subscribing to Comic-Con HQ? Is it really? It, yeah, I mean, I I would like to. I guess okay. Like, there is magic in the hall, right? Devinder, why are mm-hmm. you so easily dismissing it? We had such a good time when we went, right? Yeah. But uh, I think <laughs> you, you gave up sooner than us. Oh, day. for sure. Like, for sure. <laughs> I think just because... There, there's magic, like, the first couple times you go. And then it's just like, oh, lines, lines. You live in the lines. It's true. Jeff, are you streaming any Hall H stuff? I haven't, uh, but I'm, I'm hoping to some today and tomorrow. I mean, really, uh, the coolest stuff hasn't really happened yet as we record. Um, so I'm I'm hoping to be able to watch some of the Marvel panel or something. I think it'd be fun, but I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't you usually go to Comic Con to do uh, like? Is there a reason yeah. you didn't go this year? Are, are you going this year? Like you're not. Right? I'm not going this year. I usually do go. Um, I'm I'm I, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm a little glad not to be going this year. It, like Devinder was saying, it has gotten so big and so tumultuous that it's just like it's just a throng of people everywhere and it makes it very difficult to do anything and since i didn't have any um actual necessity to be there i didn't go this year but you know there's there's part of my soul that's a little sad that i'm not there because all you know all my friends are there and um you know there's you hear about great fun things but it, it is a very exhausting and it's exhausting not just being there but Planning to be there yeah. is exhausting. The lottery to get hotel rooms and the uh, you getting your all, all the mishigas of getting your passes and it's just that they, they have they make it very unfriendly to everyone, not just press, but everyone to even sort of negotiate the difficulty, the logistics of being there. And for many years, they talked about moving it up to, here to Los Angeles because Los Angeles has so much more room and infrastructure built you know to to handle that kind of thing um i would i think that would be a sad thing because i think comic-con and san diego are just sort of inextricably linked in my head but i kind of feel like something has to be done because it it has Mm -hmm. become too big for its own good i think yeah uh i I mean any uh desire to do like a we have concerns panel or something like that like was that for years we did we did totally rad show panels and and they were extremely fun and and uh, just a blast and yeah i mean 
I'm the only one that remembers the Beatles. Hello, I'm Guy Garvey. Richard Curtis and Danny Boyle have joined forces for yesterday. We got them together to talk filmmaking. I always saw Trainspotting just as the Northern Four Weddings. Music. These songs were part of us. And a world without the Beatles. A world without the Beatles would be infinitely worse. The Yesterday Podcast, available from wherever you get your podcasts. Yesterday. When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom.